Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next edition of the Sports Pro Stream Time Podcast. My name is Chris Stone, the community lead here at Sports Pro, joined as always by our CEO, Nick Meacham. Nick, I'm only just uh, getting myself back in. You know, it's unfortunate circumstances for why we had a bank holiday yesterday, but I'll be honest with you, Nick, I needed that extra day for recovery. <laughs> well, yeah, you've been adventuring around the other side of the world lately while I've been uh, locked down in, in the UK and in London, uh, mourning, mourning our great, uh, great uh, empire, British Empire leader that has uh, obviously passed away. Um, what was your trip like over to Singapore? You've obviously spent a few days over there now. Yeah, you know, on a personal level, just talking as a tourist, uh, I would certainly recommend Singapore to anybody that's not been. I found it's, for anyone that's not been to Singapore, given its history as part of the British Empire that you just referenced, Nick, everybody there speaks English, everything's in English. So it's a great way if you just want to dip your toe into Asian culture and you might be a little intimidated, uh, you kind of get everything without being maybe thrown too far into the deep end. So that was really good. And then obviously, the reason we're there, we had our Sports Pro APAC event, which is the first time I've been out for that as well. Yeah, Singapore is definitely one of my favorite places to visit. I went there a lot as a kid, actually, and and, and more recently been out f- for work-related purposes for our uh, Asia-Pacific event that we've been running. So, uh, uh, yeah, how did it all go out there? Obviously, that's our first event over in that part of the world for, gosh, well, pre-pandemic, basically. We were weeks away from having our last event over in Singapore before this pesky little pesky little COVID uh, situation popped up in 2019. So what was it, what was it like out there? Any, anything, any sort of big takeaways you took from bit, being a bit closer to the action over in the East? I think what I found was really interesting is APAC is different and at the same time, the same. Uh, essentially, you heard some things from different people, particularly talking about localization being a challenge, just the range of diversity, you know, whereas in the USA, it's it's a big marketplace, but everyone speaks English or even within Europe, England is different to Germany, which is different to Italy, but they're the it's not that different either other than just sort of changing the language. But when you start going over to Asia, uh, the amount of languages that are taking place, that level of hyper localization that needs to take place. And then interesting, I think what the biggest takeaway I got from there was it's not people's willingness to pay for content. It's people's ability to pay for content. One of the things that kept coming up in um, Sanjog from Disney Hotstar uh, basically said people in India are willing to pay for content, but they're not actually used to making online payments and do, using online banking. And that was something that seemed to come up time and time again, that actually the biggest issue for streaming in APAC isn't necessarily people's willingness to, you know, buy content. It's just the ability to actually do so. So it's just one of those things that's interesting. You know, you're talking about monetization. They're sort of, it's not about sort of the marketing of it or driving subscriptions, just how do we get people to actually pay for it is one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, I've heard similar stories, particularly of the Southeast Asian market. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I come from Australia where this is not a problem. It's much more like a, sort of a blend between the US and UK markets, but the rest of Southeast Asia, I've heard stories about, you know, the only way you could say top up your accounts, and that could be everything from your mobile account to your uh, um, to your subscription account, to anything you want to pay for, you'd have to go into the equivalent of what we call in the UK an off-license or a corner store and pay and top up your account there. You can't, couldn't do any of it online until, and at least until recently anyway. And I was actually interested to hear if that's something that has evolved because there's a real big sticking point for a lot of the, the players out there that they couldn't remove the, the friction of getting people to pay for things. They had to find alternative ways. And that's why advertising was still the leader, uh, leading mechanism, I suppose, of monetization out in Asia. But then the average revenue per user was way lower than what you get over in Western markets. And that's why there was this sort of predicament that a lot of the industry has been facing when they've been looking over there to go, how do we make this work for us when we can't get people to subscribe because they literally can't and the revenues aren't high enough on the advertising to make it worthwhile. But hopefully we're, we're reaching a bit of a tipping point with just behavioral change and, and the technology catching up with the market needs out there. Yeah, well, to your point, you know, it sounds like the issue, it is changing. People are willing to pay. It's just a matter of how do I pay? But like I said, at the same time, although that's a little bit different, there are many things that are still the same. So they're still talking about SVOD versus AVOD. Uh, they're still trying to figure out how to market to Gen Z. You know, some of the things we've heard in other marketplaces, they still exist. It's just there. It's it's sort of that regionalization that, that's taking place with it. And, you know, I kind of touched on the Gen Z bit there. And I think that leads us quite nicely into the conversation uh, we're going to talk about after this. So, you know, Nick, I, I try to put it up on a tee, put it on a platter for you. you know, could you tell us what the fans have next? <laughs> you did a really good job with that. I was really excited when you dropped that magical Gen Z word in there. I was like, yes, I've got a segue coming at me. Um, but yeah, so this uh, this week's guest is Harish Sama, who is... 
the head of business content business development at TikTok. Uh, and I've been really keen to talk to TikTok because obviously everyone is following TikTok's moves across the, the sports media landscape. They are growing from strength to strength over uh, all the key markets they are in. And naturally, you know, any, any platform like a TikTok, you have to wonder how significant really is their role in the way fandom is managed. So that's something I wanted to really talk to Harish about is like, what is TikTok doing for sports, uh, both in an official and unofficial sense in building that fandom? And we also dig into, you know, how important is sports in the relative scheme these days of what the younger generations are interested in. Uh, so there's a fair bit in this conversation where we try and dig into other things like monetization, why is TikTok sponsoring sports properties uh, across Europe? You know, they sponsored the, the Euros, they sponsored uh, women's, uh, women's Rugby, Six Nations. Why are they doing that? So we, it's, a lot, it's a lot in this conversation about what their real underlying strategy is around sports and how to make the most of you know, the fastest growing uh, social, uh, social slash tech platform, whatever you want to call them, uh, in the world. Um, but that's probably a good time for, for me to hand over to me, speaking with Harish Sama of TikTok. So welcome, Harish, to the Stream Time podcast. Now, what I wanted to really dig into is everyone is now across the world is more than familiar with TikTok as a platform. Um, but tell us a little bit more where it sits with regards to consumption habits around the sports space, because obviously we're here to talk about sports. Uh, and I'm imagining you're seeing some pretty interesting trends around content consumption on the platform. Absolutely. And and, and thanks, Nick. Um for, for a solid tee up, um, uh, you know, TikTok and sport on TikTok is, has really has really seen uh, uh, a very virtuous cycle where we reward authenticity above everything. Uh, you know, sports on TikTok definitely tends to include some of the content you would expect. You know, highlights, commentary clips, key moments, fan reactions, that sort of stuff. But I, but what's actually interesting is all the all the content that is sport related that is aside from all of this, all the behind the scenes uh, content that frankly, a lot of fans don't get to see on traditional platforms actually is on TikTok. Um, the, the other side of it is actually quite interesting, which is that sport is also evolving on TikTok. You know, what a lot of folks probably think about when they think about sport is traditional sports, like the, the, big, the big names, the, the, the ones that probably come to mind. But what we're also seeing is the, 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 the kind of expansion of and evidence of niche and niche and nascent sports finding their audience um, on the platform. An example is pickleball, for example, which is a sport that's growing in its engagement on the courts, but it's also growing tremendously on TikTok. So, so if you think about it, it's it's sort of this combination of what is your authentic self and how do you bring that in the, the sport context to TikTok, but also everybody has a voice, including no matter how big or small you are or how how established or nascent you are. So that's 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 in a crux um, how how we're uh, kind of seeing sport grow on TikTok. When we say sports content, how do you at TikTok define what sports content is? Is it quite a broad spectrum between, uh, you know, the, let's say the Joe Citizen and them playing at home to the official stuff and reaction content? How are you guys classifying that? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. Um, we, we actually see it as, as the latter. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the whole ecosystem, right? So if you think about it, just think, I would almost like almost turn that back and think about how we as fans consume content that is sport related. You don't go there and candidly, I, I'm assuming you're a sports fan, Nick, but we, we're, we're fairly discerning, right? So we'll, we'll tend to think, hold on, I'm going to get a hot take from, you know, a, a pundit that I really like. But I'm also going to listen to, this, you know, this podcast from somebody that is not really a pundit, but happens to be an opinion leader or somebody else, frankly, is, 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 is somebody I've been following because they happen to be somebody that uh, is really plugged in with the teams, maybe a beat reporter, as an example. So there's official, there's also people, other fans that you really like. I mean, and you tend to, you tend to say, hey, listen, I really, I really jive with this person and, and the way they, they present their sports, you know, uh, positions. So for us, I think the, the way to think about this is, sport is really all encompassing and we think about this not as just if you think about this in the traditional 
um, sports sense. It's not just what happens between you know whistle to whistle. It's it's actually everything around it. And so there's so much drama. The other thing that that, that, that a lot of folks tend to maybe not think about is sport also influences a tremendous number of verticals. Sports in, sports influences fashion. Sports influences entertainment. You know, sports actually influences music. There's a tremendous amount of collaboration that takes place. And so when you start to see these things, you know, finding their way into TikTok, it's because sports is a is a major component of it. And so we actually look at it as sports and and then sports as well. So it's it's really it's it's kind of the holistic diagram. Interesting. I mean, what, when we're looking at the industry is looking at the, the media landscape from more of a traditional sense. And I'm not sure how TikTok classifies itself, whether it's a media platform, a social platform, a tech platform, yeah. or whatever you want to call it, a bit of, a bit yeah. of all those things put together. Sports sits really at the, the, the pointy end of, uh, well, particularly on the premium live right side, right? You know, we, yes. they, they, it's seen as the, the top echelon of, of content. I'm curious though, on a platform like TikTok, where does it sit? In that mix between all the other, say, sectors of interest that your your audience might have, how does sport rank in sort of its 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 uh, I guess audience driving for you? Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a good question, and, and and one I I do get it very often. So thankfully, I have some thoughts on this. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like where does if I was to paraphrase, where does TikTok sit in the world of sport in terms of what what role do you play effectively? Um, and I would say, you know. You know, the traditional perspective of sport has always been the live product. What's happening on the field? What's happening on the court? This has really been how fans consume. And then there's some stuff around, around you know, around the shoulder content or things that happen around this, but it's really the live product. For us, you know, we tend to experiment with a tremendous, you know, number of forms of live. We, you know, we don't necessarily see ourselves as a replacement for traditional broadcasters of sport, you know, on the linear side or on digital. Um, I think you already know the players. Uh, we we tend to be the place where, frankly, a lot of the things that happen before the the main event and that happen after the main event take place. So a lot of lead-in programming, uh, you know, live behind the scenes. So we'll we'll also do stuff while something is happening live. We'll also have a lot of content that we're capturing, kind of adjacent to the actual action. So think of it as, you know, on the live side, everything that's happening as we get into something while something is happening. And not necessarily us being the broadcast partner, but actually being the place where Frank, Frank, a lot of a lot of folks are uh, second screening, right? If you think about it, uh, we, you're watching the you're watching the game, but you're also really watching TikTok. And and then when you're done, you you, you have a lot of things you want to process because you need to consume a lot. So that we'll have a lot of uh, we'll have pressers, we'll have things that are like kind of coming out of it. And so that's on the live side, and then on the VOD side, it's actually very similar, right? We just take a lot of that content, and then it gets it basically gets presented for that audience that wants to see, hey, what happened in a retrospective way? Um, and, and that's, and that's I, hope, I hope that's kind of answering the question, but that's really how, how we uh, play our role. Sure. But in terms of, say, the, you know, there's other sectors of interest which range around music and obviously TikTok's origin, origination is, you know, around the sort of that music scene, people dancing, creative creative content that people are creating for, for leisure, I suppose, and, and right. for fun. How does it rank in that space? Are you, is it is that still sort of the leading area for you? I don't know how to classify that well. Sorry, that's a really poor description. No, no, that's um, fine. I think I think uh, I think you're asking if if, if, I'm, if I'm again paraphrasing. It's it's lip sync and dance that has been pretty pr- pretty much like endemic to TikTok in, in many ways in many people's minds. So you're you're right. Like I'd say, like historically, that's actually very accurate. Um, any user of the platform will tell you, right, that there's no platform that stays static. And so we've we've evolved and, and really tremendously evolved over time, um, you know, to get us to a place where sport on TikTok has actually got its own kind of vertical, has got its own presence. So, you know, as much as some folks may think, well, hold on, that that's, you know, that's, I'm, I'm thinking of music. Well, music does exist. I and mean, music still has a tremendous presence on TikTok. But in addition to that, we've got you know other verticals that are also really now have, have flourished and have real um, a real um, real standing, right? So sport is not the only one. We have gaming content on TikTok. We have entertainment content on TikTok. We have lifestyle content, and that's a really big category. And so these are, frankly, these are in addition to music. So as you think about it, these are sort of the areas where the biggest chunks of 
content exist on TikTok. And so if you are someone, and most people, frankly, are fairly multidimensional. They're not, they're not like people who like sport, just want to see sport. They want to see a lot of things I do, and I'm sure you do as well. And so that's actually what this is meant to solve for. So you might have musically inclined interests, but you also probably like sport and you probably like a little bit of TV and you probably like some stuff, you know, in the gaming space. Turns out it's all on TikTok. So, so in terms of what sports properties, particularly more the, let's say the more official channels, the, yeah. the leagues, the teams and so forth, I imagine you guys have been working quite closely with them as part of your role uh, yeah. in particular, but other people within your team. What are some of the key things that the sports properties themselves are doing that is really working and resonating with audiences? Yeah. So, you know, uh, as a general matter, right, the, our sports, the sports property ecosystem is fairly diverse, right? Like I think I mentioned, we have, we'll have all the, all the, the usual suspects. We'll have the biggest leagues and federations represented and teams as well. Uh, what, what we are seeing, and, and again, I hope, I hope this, if, if I don't get to the, the crux of the question, please let me know. But I, I would say you're seeing a very, very specific approach that each federation is taking specifically or publishers taking specifically to their needs. So I'll give you an example. Some, some of these, um, some, some folks are very, very focused on building a, a gateway, for example, to their owned and operated solutions, as an example. How do you create awareness for that, right? And that, that really is not an easy challenge because you want to come across to the consumer as, hey, listen, this is not an ad. This is really me telling you a little bit more so you learn a bit more about this. So it's, it's a lot of it is tied to business goals and business initiatives. And so if, if you're looking at, if you're looking at some publishers, it's like broad commercial interest and uh, drawing, uh, you know, um, generating awareness and driving that uh, that that audience to now engage with them in, in, on TikTok and then ultimately right on on their platforms. And then on the other side, it, it could be they have a tremendous amount of investments that they've made, like to major tournaments or access to very specific content. They want to drive awareness to that, and so that's where what I was describing earlier, where you can drive you have lead-in programming on TikTok. But the main event sits somewhere. And that's exactly the kind of like use case where we become a very, very useful partner because we are effectively serving as a conduit and an engagement platform that funnels that audience to, to them. And so I'm speaking again generally because these are the different kind of use cases. Mm -hmm. um, and then, frankly, the other side of this is actually having, uh, having an, an identity. And if you think about this, most people will think, well, am I an athlete and what, how do I represent myself? And the reality is brands have identities too. And we we get to decide and on TikTok, you get to decide what is your brand identity. And so you'll see this at the team level. You'll see this, for example, where teams take a different approach and don't necessarily show up on TikTok as the team on the league. They, they'll show up and they'll be very whimsical. They'll be edgy. They'll do some ridiculous, they'll, they'll do some ridiculous stuff. And that's the point, right? They, they're now building their brand on the platform as the, the team that does X. And so while they may have an on-field, you know, uh, reputation of whatever that is, um, top tier, middle tier, middling team, whatever, they actually are, they could be superstars on TikTok. And that's the that's the beauty that, that we've seen. So it, it really depends on who the partner is or who the creator is. Uh, but we, we it's it's different for athletes, it's different for teams, and it's different for, for publishers and federations. But there's a different approach based on their needs. Sure. So yeah, in, it makes sense. You know, obviously anyone with a premium platform or product they want to drive audiences to, they create social content, yeah. or content on the platform to drive people and awareness to those platforms. That's a pretty, I guess, fairly standardized model across all of the different sort of social networks uh, yeah. at the moment. But what about you? I guess, how, how effective is that? Because what we've seen, I suppose, in other platforms that exist, yeah. your, your, your Facebooks, Twitters, Instagrams, and so forth, the, there's an audience building element that, that is quite very successful. Obviously, people like to follow those platforms well. But the driving of audiences from those to a premium product, is it feels it's still a work in progress. Are you guys seeing much result in able to do that? Or is it more building the community uh, and the audience scale there? Yeah. Um, that's the priority right now. Yeah, look, I think it, it, you're asking you're asking that question, right? You're asking the attribution question, and it's absolutely something that is top of mind for myself, right, and 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 the team here, because ultimately, if we prove out that exact thesis, uh, job done, right? As I say, and so that's <laughs> that's frankly that's frankly why 
uh, that's frankly what I do. And so a big part of what I'm kind of building is not just the narrative, but, you know, and candidly, that's, that's a big part of what we do build on behalf of partners that we work with, where we say, trust us, we're going to show you how we can really engage with this, with this specific audience that, you know, may or may not even be aware of you in this context. And there's a, there's a relationship you have to build with the audience. And so I think a lot of times we, we tend to think of, is this engagement, like just pure, you know, audience engagement, so upper funnel, or is this, um, is this conversion, right? That's, that's frankly how a lot of people, people forget that there's a journey in the middle, or maybe they don't forget, they just, they don't realize that there's, there's a pathway to get there. How do you get someone to, for the very first time, discover your offering? when they would have never even heard about your offering and any through any construct, and then slowly get them to the place where they're sort of interested in some of the stuff you have, maybe inquisitive because, you know, for, for example, they may not be a sport fan, but they may be a music fan or they may be a fashion fan. So you start to do collaborative content that, 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 that links the two. And all of a sudden that's your gateway with this consumer. And then all of a sudden they become more, you know, you've piqued their interest and now they're engaging more and more. They're following you, they're watching the videos and their stuff is showing up more and more in your feed. And then what happens over time is that kind of translates to, and, and we tend to do this, we tend to build not necessarily off ramps, but we actually build really connective tissue with a lot of partner owned and operated to say, hey, to, to learn more, you should probably go here because this is where all, all, all the stuff is. And we, and we really want this, and this is an important factor, we don't really want to be dictating when the consumer decides to then engage because we want the consumer to say, I'm ready. This is, you know, I'm going to do this. Why? Because I'm really interested. I mean, we, we see this all the time with, with, with ourselves. We, we don't necessarily want to be told that we want to go somewhere and, and be taken somewhere, but we'd love to have that control to say, give me all the options. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to engage. And, and we do it all the time. We, 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 it's not like we don't purchase things that are advertised. We do. Uh, so, so this is, and, and, and I went into a little bit of detail because I wanted to kind of explain the psychology of how this works versus mm -hmm. candidly talking in generalities. I just wanted to give you a little bit of that. No, 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 absolutely. It makes complete sense. I wonder just in terms of, uh, before we move things, things on, I guess, you're know, looking at what we've seen across the wider, let's say, social media industry over the years is there's been, um, uh, as part of that, those partnerships that they've had with certain rights holders, the, the demand or interest in trialing live content on the platform yeah. um most have found that it hasn't really worked for them and instead they've adjusted their strategy facebook's a great example of that uh, where they've done stuff with mlb in the us la liga in india and a couple of other mar markets i believe off the top of my head and they've sort yeah. of identified where their place is in the the audience funnel um and doubled down on on providing value there um yeah. twitter and so forth have, have had sort of similar experiences how, where are you guys on that journey? Do you see that live has a, as a, as a place in the platform? I know you have done some stuff uh, on there, which we can maybe dig into as an example, but do you think yeah. there's a place for live sports content on the platform itself? Yeah, look, I, I absolutely think the answer is yes, because there's an audience for, there's an audience for every form. You just have to decide how you're going to execute on the form. I also don't think that this is one of those all or nothing type approaches where you say, we're doing live, we're going we're gonna to bring, bring it all. Why? Because that isn't really, in my opinion, that isn't really a strategy. And so, uh, and again, I can't really speak to how other platforms have in the past kind of made the decision to go, you know, to, to incorporate live or not. But I will tell you for us, it is a component of the strategy versus it being the strategy. And so mm. when you think about sport, how do you choose to engage? You know, it's, it's almost like choose your level of engagement when it comes to whether you want to be exclusively the, the you know, uh, a creator or publisher that posts one time, one time a week. And that's, there's going to be some sort of like outcome from that. Then when you go to three to five times or seven times a week, all of a sudden you'll see a completely different kind of audience impact. Now you layer in the ability to go live periodically with, you know, look-ins behind the scenes, things, things that frankly, a lot of fans don't have the access to. And this is not because, you know, these are things that you're going live with anyway. This is actually de novo, new construct, live opportunities, right? Following, of, you know, uh, we, you know, we do this, for example, with the UFC, for example, where, you know, you follow a fighter, like on their way, you know, to the, to the actual ring or from a presser to, you know, behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, you've never seen that before. 
And so mm. it's, it's more an incorporation of live as part of the, the, the overarching offering versus it being kind of standalone. Sure. Um, so I, I remember that actually just thinking about it now, I think if I remember correctly, um, when I say if I remember correctly, I'm trying to look at my computer to see what the notes were. Uh, but I remember it was a Real Betis so, uh, Real, or Real Sociedad match that you guys did do a some sort of streaming on. They, they yeah. The numbers reported or shared were, I think, around half a million viewers. I'm not sure in what context that was. Uh, the 9 by 16 format, I know the Bundesliga has trialed that format as well in a few yes. different markets. I think one football may have in Brazil, if I remember that's right. correctly. That's right. Um, so testing my – that's actually my memory, uh, not my notes in front of me. Um, but what's – been the outcome of that? Do you think it's something yeah. that you know has been a test case and a test bed for everyone involved? Is it been, uh, is it stemming or leading to to do more of those things, or is it now okay? We've tried that. We've seen what reaction and engagements like for the actual. I guess when I say live in, in this instance, I'm talking about the live the live match, which is the premium set of rights versus doing live content like the examples that you you gave, which are make complete sense on the platform. Um, yeah. Yeah, where are you at on that sort of journey there? No, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought up those examples. Uh, all very relevant. There's a few others, but uh, you know, I'll give you. I'll kind of like build on that. But uh, and and glad you have the notes. So um, <laughs> on, on our side, I think you know tradition. Let's call it traditional live, right? Uh, live as broadcast um, has also found its way onto TikTok. Not and 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 this is not something that we've been candidly like particularly deliberate about. We've really, really just been working with publishers and, and partners like the Bundesliga, like you, like you described there, um, and, and the DFB, right? So uh, that's an example there where we've looked at innovation as a pretty big piece of the puzzle. They're, they're looking to innovate their offering to the fans. They're also trying to understand whether what they have on, you know, what they have currently out there is working vis-a-vis -vis the traditional platforms from a live broadcast perspective, or there's actually an incremental audience that they aren't talking to at all, and they aren't that aren't really getting their, their content, that they can now get to via this new format. And, and I will tell you that what has happened is, it's like everything. You have to start by testing, and you have to see the results, and you're not gonna immediately see, you know, it's not like audiences shift. And in, in many cases, you have to build awareness of that offering in the first place. And so, what we have actually seen, and, and we're seeing, like you're gonna probably see a, a proliferation of this type of uh, nine by 16, you know, kind of format going forward. And, and different partners have different restrictions in their right structures that allow them to do this or not, right? And so this mm -hmm. is the challenge for ultimately, um, it's, it's more of a rights holder limitation than it is on TikTok and, and from a strategy perspective, because while we have the means to support that, if they don't necessarily, they have to kind of pick and choose where something goes and what format it is and whether the 9 by 16 is something that is kind of carved out and can actually show up on TikTok. That's something that a lot of rights holders are really evaluating right now for the first time and saying, hey, we need to bring more to TikTok because this is a very different audience generation tool for us. And it's another platform to reach, uh, candidly, a lot of users that wouldn't otherwise maybe even see that telecast as an example. And so that's, that's what's been pretty, pretty uh, encouraging. Mm -hmm. Now, now you guys have a lot of partnerships I've seen launched and announced over the last couple of years. Um, recently, there's ones with the AFL, there's been some ones with UFC, PGA Tour, uh, La Liga, J-League, uh, and also um, more comprehensive partnerships, I suppose, from a brand perspective anyway, with Six Nations and Euro, uh, the Euros in 2022. Just curious, what was the what was the logic behind taking a more, I guess, brand sponsorship led approach with those partnerships um, versus the traditional content partnerships that you're probably working on uh, quite regularly? Yeah, and look, and, and by the way, thank you for the shout out on the AFL that literally just hot off the presses. So you're doing your research very well, um, <laughs> and and that was that was a big win win for us in uh, in Australia. So shout out to the, to the team in Australia on that one. Um, and, and uh, so, so broadly speaking, you know, we don't tend to take a very broad strokes approach to, to sport and in this, in this context. And so partnerships for us really come down to, I'll kind of, I'll just kind of give you like the, let's just say the, the, the thought process and then I'll explain why those and, and how we've taken that approach. But, you know, at the core, right, sports partnerships need to drive some utility to the end consumer. This is the way we think about this. Um, when we pursue partnerships, 
It's most likely because we are trying to serve some form of, of an unmet need or expand our focus in a very specific area because there's, we can see that there's a tremendous amount of latent demand for set content or for that opportunity. Um, in, in the case of whether we do a sponsorship or whether we do, you know, kind of a content, you know, specific uh, partnership, a lot of it comes down to what, like, what are we doing? What are our brand goals in a specific market? You mentioned the Euros. Uh, the Euros was a watershed moment for us from uh, an awareness perspective and sort of like we announced ourselves, right? It's hard to believe this. That was two years ago, right? And we're still talking about it. We're talking about it in a way where people kind of the visual for them is TikTok was here. And TikTok was here and present in a way where if, if you if you were watching the Euros, you, you couldn't miss us in, in many ways. Um, has that been, you know, has that continued to be the focus? No, I think there's just different needs and we evolve as an organization. And so our needs, whether that's sponsorship or partnership or defined or content otherwise, yep. they evolve too, because the needs of the user on the app are evolving, right? So this goes back to if there's, if there's, if there's interest in kind of growing a specific area, um, in this case, we, we mentioned the AFL, um, whether that's the NHL, whether that's the Olympics, um, you know, and, and a variety of other partners, there's an interest in figuring out where are we going to kind of focus ourselves because we can't really do everything. And this is the challenge as well when you are a platform. I think you're sort of expected to be uh, the surrogate for, for managing all of it. But the reality is we do have to, uh, you know, you have to make some tough choices. And so this is, this is how it plays out. So I hope that, hope that makes sense. But that's the way sure, we, we Sure, it. absolutely. But the, 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 just on that sponsorship part, uh, and you mentioned that it's sort of linked with brand needs. Specifically, yeah. I mean, my, my take on it, I'm, I'm guessing is a, a guesstimate, uh, so to speak, but is that you guys were really looking for a bit of a launch pad in, in Europe. And was, 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 is that where sports could potentially play a role to, to, to help sort of, I guess, accelerate the audience reach and engagement over in this market? Because obviously you guys have grown strength to strength in the US uh, you know, very early in the days. And obviously you have the Chinese roots where you guys have obviously a strong base. Was that the objective with those European partnerships? Yeah, I think whenever you you use kind of broadly speaking, right, whenever you sign up for uh, or lean into something that is local and is tied to, in many ways, branding or marketing, that is the idea, right? The idea is to kind of build awareness, build awareness for, candidly, like in our case, it's the user base that exists, the content that exists on the app, why it's exciting, why it's interesting. It's, it goes back to, it harkens back to like what we were talking about earlier. If you can't create awareness of your offering, nobody knows that it exists in the first place. And so that's a big part of this. And so, yes, in places where we are more established, we're likely going to take a different tact. And in other places, we're likely gonna have to, you know, get the word out, as they say, right? And so that's 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 a very good way of describing it. I think the way you, you encapsulated it was, yeah. was about right, yeah. Sure, so looking at moving forward, so some of these partnerships you, you, you have in place and ones that you might have in place in the future, the question I always get asked with social media platforms is uh, great to build audience. How do we make money is always yeah. what I hear. So right. what are some of the ways that sports properties are looking to generate revenue uh, through the relationship with you guys? Um, obviously, we've talked already about driving people to own and operate a platform. So it might be uh, a live stream or a subscription proposition. Um, yeah. Are there any other ways you guys are seeing uh, sports properties being able to generate value, uh, you know, cash value, I suppose, from the platform itself? Yeah, look, I think this is an area which is top of mind, just just to kind of like lead this off, right? I don't think there's a single platform out there that isn't trying to solve this, even when they have solutions. The idea is that it's an evolving piece that we have to consistently tweak and add to. So. The way to think about this and specifically for sports partners is it is a basket of opportunities. And when I'll, and I'll explain some of those components and then I'll say the basket is not necessarily relevant to everybody because not everybody has an offering that they can include right in that. Um, as an example, we recently launched a partnership with Ticketmaster uh, around ticketing. And, and this was announced about, about I think about a month or a month and a half ago. And, and what's really, really groundbreaking about that is for the first time, you now have the ability to literally purchase right, your, your access. And it could be to music event, it could be a sporting event. Now, if you are, a, if you are one of those uh, organizations that happens to have that as an outlet, this is now an opportunity for you to not just engage with an audience, but literally drive 
you know, not click through rate and, and, and consumption directly at fulfillment. That's, that's an option. Now, is that applicable to everybody? No, but it is applicable to the folks that really, really focus in this area. Uh, another area that we've we've really built out, and, and you've seen, you probably have seen this um, grow up, is is the brand side. So a lot of publishers want to figure out ways that they can kind of create branded content, and then frankly go out there and 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 and, and you know pound the pavement and, and win and win business. Well, we now have a solution in place. We've had a solution in place for some time now uh, with what what's called Spark Ads, where effectively you will post content. Uh, natively on behalf of a brand, and you will then, uh, you know, then you'll then basically attach a Spark app to it, and that allows you to guarantee kind of the outcomes that you want when you need to meet your uh, your commitments as part of a brand campaign. So this has been candidly quite quite um, a lot of folks are who are paying attention. They're already on it or have been on it, and then for other folks, they're like really really surprised that this was even something that 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 has been launched and has been in place for a while. So that's just an example of. Some of the stuff and 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 uh, that we do, you know, with with publishers, we you know we do a bunch of other stuff with with regards to. Um, you might have seen the the Pulse program that was announced uh, sometime back. Mm-hmm. So we're trialing a bunch of really interesting things constantly to see what fits and what works. And if, frankly speaking, if something doesn't look like it's working, we we all, we, we will we will re- rethink it because it doesn't make sense to keep doing something just because we you know, we launched it. Sure. So the the Ticketmaster is a great sort of tangible example of of you know directly uh, creating a revenue opportunity for sports properties. Where are you guys at with e-commerce and merchandise sales and so forth? Is that still in the works from memory? Yes, yes, it, it is. It is, and I, you know, I, I tell you, as a, as a general matter, right? E-commerce is it, it's 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 a very complex business if you think about it from the context of not just the ability to surface the you know options for purchase, you know, within within a container and, and available and accessible within the app, the last mile challenge, the fulfillment challenge, it's that it's that it's that it's that opportunity that we really have to build out. And so again, as I said, we don't tend to take these things pretty lightly, we're, we're gonna, we're going to frankly, roll them out and kind of um, in, a, in a very, very, um, very well thought out fashion, having tested a lot of this. So we do tend to test in very specific markets, this specific element of, of e commerce. And the goal is to actually continue to expand that. So you, you're going to see that more and more kind of in the coming in the coming months. Sure. And I know some of the other platforms in the market seem to have tried this and, and have had to take a bit of a step back and restart again, um, like, you know, the YouTubes of the world who are who are quite frankly are copycatting a lot of the stuff you guys have been so successful with. Uh, I just wonder, I actually was uh, looking at a presentation today from a major sports property that's about to launch a platform and they yeah. used, they called it basically, I think it was TikTokify their content or platform. Uh, I just wonder how are you, how do you guys see that? There's a lot of people trying to be inspired with their platform development and follow your your designs do you find that that creates more opportunity or does that frustrate or is that just you know that's the industry that we live in right everyone seems to like take the best ideas and try and replicate them yeah uh, it's funny our, our mission you know statement is to inspire creativity and bring joy so it feels like we're doing it right it feels like we're doing it in every respect i mean that was a wonderful tea by the way i, I could i couldn't have written that myself um but i but i, I really like i think in in all seriousness i, I think what's interesting about the way we operate as a business is that we've got so many uh, candidly interesting opportunities that we are evaluating on a constant basis from an innovation perspective. And you know, rather than spend our time looking in the rear view mirror or looking around us uh, at who's doing what and are they doing working, we, we really have to we have to stay on task. And I think it's it's been for us kind of thinking about back to, back to what I said before. It sounds like a broken record, but it's like if we're not driving benefits for the user and the user community and 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 our uh, and our creative community and our publisher community we're do, we're doing ourselves a disservice so it's 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 it you know if, if that's happening if um uh, and i and i think you're you're more across it uh, and closer to it than, than even i am in some cases it's it's actually it's great i think i think imitation uh, works or um, and then for us like we we think that inspiration uh, layer we you know cross pollinates too i mean we get great ideas as well so i think it's i think it's completely fine yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the where was I going to go with this? I was going to say the 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 thing I've sort of taken away from what we've seen across the social media world is it, its role is becoming more and more important in 
the relationship with sports and fandom. Um, but to the point, you know, we're seeing these rising media rights deals, and particularly in the US, where these deals are going through the roof in terms of values. Yet the the monetization bit is still a work in progress. But yeah. for me, it feels like the, the role that social media plays is arguably far more important than the live match itself these days, or, or at least we might be getting to a point where the live mat, the live match is not as important as what's happening off uh, off the match or off the platform. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is I use my own example, right? So I, I'm quite into my US sports, but because of the time zones, I don't get to watch a lot of live live matches, live content. Um, but I do consume loads of content across a whole host of different social channels, audio channels, uh, in written form as well. I guess where do you where do you just see that role? Do you do you see it as such where TikTok's role um, in the the wider place of fandom is at a point where maybe it's maybe it's on its way, maybe it's there. I don't know. It depends on what your take is, but it's yeah. as important as any live match or live rights broadcasting deal that, that some of the major sports properties are doing. Look, I, I surely hope you're absolutely right because that otherwise I'm not really doing my job. Um, <laughs> it's um, I think it's evolving. I think the idea of um, what the fan wants and how the fan is interacting with sport in that traditional context while layering in the new forms of ways we have engagement, whether that's like physical devices. I'll give an example. Like a lot of times I get asked the question, are people second screening sport, right? And so, you know, with, with sport, and I always ask, what is the second screen experience exactly? Mm. Right. Mm. And so... I wonder, and I look at myself, and I'm, not, I'm a sample size of one, so I take that with a grain of salt. But ultimately, we know what we're doing. We're, we're, we're more, we have way more distractions today than ever before, whether that's work, whether that's uh, family, juggling everything, technology around us. So the ability to really just focus and you know commit to whatever it is, a two-hour or three-hour uh, event, it's it's limited, and even within those those events, there are distractions, right? There's advertising, there's all kinds of breaks. It it's, it's literally built into the system. So to me, those moments also spur a call to action for the consumer to say, "How do I want to wait? How do I want to use my time? Um, do I want to sit here and and, and stay plugged in as uh, some pundit goes off for like maybe two to three minutes while they're they're having a drinks break or something, or do I go to my device that is literally always in my hands?" and go somewhere and is that place potentially technical i'd like to think that we're doing our, our part to be part of that equation um i think the question then becomes right how can we be additive how can we ensure that if for example you're watching the rugby or you're watching the football or like you said you're watching a lot of american sport and you're a disconnected user you don't you know you don't live in a time zone where it's convenient if you're watching the nba and you're european God bless you, right? Because you have to, um, you have to actually wake up at three in the morning to watch some of these games. So where do you, how do you get your fix? How do you actually stay connected? That's really where I think our value proposition is: is that we we tend to kind of like be that that glue that stitches around that live event. So even though you may not always wake up and get to watch that stuff, you're not missing out. You're actually always in the mix. In fact, many times I didn't even know there was an event that happened, and then I. We'll, we'll be scrolling through my For You feed and all of a sudden something will come up because it's a reaction. It's a really, really, it's a hard hitting, you know, piece by either a podcaster or someone in the sports world. And I go, oh, Lord, how did, what happened? I didn't even know this happened. And so then, you know, then I end up watching stuff in the retrospective. So, um, again, sample size of one to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, well, sample sample of two because I'm I'm sort of of a similar mindset as well with that. So uh, so uh, I'm on board. We'll solve it. Uh, <laughs> so look, I mean, where you're obviously talking to a lot of sports properties, working with a lot of sports properties. Um, where what's what's the main thing you're trying to achieve by talking to them and working to them? Is it getting them to do more on the platform? Is it to drive revenue opportunities? Is it to uh, engage more with non-official partners? What, what are you trying to really achieve with your role sitting in between, I suppose, TikTok and, and some of the sports properties that exist in the market? Yeah, you, I mean, you teed it up perfectly, Nick. I mean, it's, it's exactly all, of, all of the above. I mean, yeah. Feels feels like we, feels like we practice this. Um, uh, 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 look, I think on 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 our side, it's really about. I always say we have different stakeholders, and whether that's the end consumer, whether that's an advertiser, 
or whether that's a publisher or a creator, they're all, in, my, in our opinion, they all have a very important role to play in our ecosystem. So depending on who you are, um, and, and again, we have sports-related advertisers, we have sports consumers, and we have sports you know, contributors in a big way. And they're, they're, no one is bigger than the other. And that's, the, that's kind of like the three-legged stool analogy I tend to use, which is if any one of these like, falls up, it goes away, the whole thing uh, comes, comes, you know, uh, falls up. And that's an important fact for us because if we don't ensure that all the stakeholders are taken care of, and are thriving on TikTok, well, we won't get them to, to your point, focus with us on building greater revenue opportunities, which by the way, are linked to advertiser goals, right? So advertisers mm -hmm. are looking for ways to commit their, you know, their spend, but they want to be convinced of why that spend should go in, you know, pocket A, B, C, or D. And we, frankly, at TikTok believe it should be TikTok. And now it's really on, it, the onus is on us to show you that the audience is craving the stuff that we are going to create with said publishers or creators, and we're then going to be able to package that in in a capacity to then drive revenue and then drive engagement. I mean, ultimately, these these are kind of really really concentric. Uh, these are these are all tied in together. So, absolutely. So, um, one final sort of well, a final one or two questions for you. But the 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 notion of when when you have these content partnerships that you you are putting in place uh with various sports properties you know from from golf to ufc uh, and and every all the ones i mentioned earlier um let me try and think about a better way to phrase that who are they what are they trying to get out of the working with you with regards to audience activity most people think when i talk to people on tiktok they immediately think super young audience that's like yes. the that's the younger Young, the younger demographics is that still the case i guess is that what they're trying to access is it that younger generation of fans particularly with golf which is one of the one of the more older demographics um from sports properties are they trying yeah. to get younger in simple terms or is it actually much more mainstream these days i haven't seen a lot of data on demographics of late yeah that's a good 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 point so so we've historically right i think that's been the perception is that tiktok is place for younger audiences the, the truth is that what we've, what we've really done is we've, we've continued to build on obviously that, that existing cohort and then we've added, but we've added older cohorts as well. And I think a lot of people also forget that uh, or don't necessarily think about it, but folks get, you know, consumers get older too. So what was once a young or very young consumer is not so young in the last few years because they've actually transitioned into a different cohort. So this is happening and right? this is happening like, you know, live in addition, We've had new types of consumers come in, right? We've had the, you know, the um, the 35 and over consumer that has really, really grown and flourished on TikTok like in, a, in a really big way. And, you know, now what is, how does that, you know, match with the goals of, you know, each, each sport federation? It depends on what their pain points are. And I'd say for traditionally um, older skewing, you know, older demo skewing uh, sports, like you said, golf, uh, you know, American football is another one that, 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 that has... That has that as well. Um, they will tend to look at TikTok and say, "Hold on, there's a massive audience for kind of the folks that we want to be speaking to." And so I think they—I always say—they come for they come for what they believe is the is the solution. Then they realize this is a an offer, and it isn't the worst thing in the world when you can address your kind of core, you know, growth pain points, which are how do we do how do we drive audience development with with, with the youngest, you know, uh, users, and frankly, the, uh, the folks that are. Uh, almost embracing sport for the first time, right, through TikTok. And also, by the way, cultivate the cohorts you're pretty strong in and you have a tremendous amount of heft, uh, whether that's 35 and over or 50 and over, that exists on TikTok too. So it's not it's not like you're having to make trade-offs. And that's, for me, uh, it's, mm. it's the beauty of the soul system. One final question here, and I'm not sure if you've got one, but I'm going to ask, do you have one sport that is absolutely nailing the use of the platform right now? One sport, interesting. Um, I, I love, I love these. You know, like let, help me pick my, help me pick my favorite. You know, as, as a parent, right? Help me pick my favorite child, uh, or tell me who that is. Um, so I'm absolutely not going to do that. Uh, but I am going to give you, uh, I am going to give you some thoughts. I mean, you know, it's interesting, and and I was, I was like, wonder how to think through who, you know, what what, what comes to mind, and a lot of it is kind of what's trending and, and who's actually like stepping up. And so I'll give you a few that 
probably won't um probably will surprise and maybe we'll we'll get you to get onto the app and, and check it out because it's interesting um one of them is 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 the savannah bananas i don't know if you've heard of them uh they are, i have we actually talked about it on the pod of a couple of months ago actually when we told people to go check it out yeah yeah, but definitely, yeah so please then, explain well i mean i don't know can you explain i don't think you can explain i think for i think from I'm my sure perspective i don't think you can i think the beauty of of of, of the execution will we will let the listeners decide how they want to go down this rabbit hole but i think the beauty of, of, of what they do is that they've taken what i would say is a very traditional sport and they have just completely reinvented its execution in every sense of the word. And and I'm going to leave it at that because I think you clearly talked about it. I'll, let me give you, let me do this. I'll give you, I'll give you two more. Um, I think you've probably heard of Clean Talk and and, and Book Talk because there's a cleaning, uh, you know, uh, link uh, on TikTok that's, you know, that's really grown or, or community and Book Talk as well. But I want to give a special shout out to, you know, Rowing Bible for inspiring Road Talk. And, Rowing is now a real thing on TikTok and has really started to pick up. And so I, I did say I was going to give you something interesting. So if you had the Savannah Bananas, I'm going to give you row. I'm going to give you row talk. And then one more that I really like, um, it, it's called, uh, they, they're called Versus. They're, they're in the UK. Um, and they, they've just really, for me, they've kind of blended this world of sports, you know, stills, fashion, catchy beats, and just nostalgia. I don't know how this. I don't know how they've done this, and uh, you know, I, it's 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 a uh, it's exceptional, and I and I'm a, I'm a big fan. So I couldn't pick from even those three, and I like them all. So I, I hope you get to go check them out. Good stuff. Well, you got plenty to dig into, listeners. There are plenty of options to check out. Book talk, what was a book talk. Uh, Savannah yeah, clean. bananas, clean talk. We've got we've got it all. We've got a nice You're, mix you've bag. Got book talk for... as well. Yes. Plenty, plenty in there. But Harish, it's been great chatting to you and to give us a bit of insight into how TikTok is working uh, and it's aiding the sports industry. A big thank you to joining us. No, thank you for having me and, uh, and, and look forward to, to the next one. Before you go, myself and Nick would just like to thank you for tuning into this episode of Streamtime. If you found the episode insightful, please make sure you like and subscribe on whichever platform you listen to. As a growing podcast, we'd greatly appreciate your support in sharing or writing a review. Ultimately, we want this podcast to not only entertain you, but also hopefully help you navigate the digital sports landscape. If you have any feedback on previous episodes or any topics and speakers you'd like to hear from in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find myself and Nick Meacham on LinkedIn or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at SportsProChris1. Nick can be found at SportsProNick. Of course, if you want to stay fully up to date on the sports business news cycle, please make sure to visit the Sports Pro Media website or sign up to one of our several newsletters to make sure you don't miss anything. Once again, thank you, and we look forward to you joining us next week on the Streamtime Podcast.